Welcome to Women with an Effed Up Mind, a podcast by women, for women, and yes, men, we see you too. I'm your host, Miss J, and we're about raising awareness for sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, and the lack of mental health help in our military. I hope you guys are ready because we're not about just raising awareness. We're also about doing the damn thing. So let's go. Imagine your daughter, your son, your wife or husband, hell, your mom or dad was raped and nothing happened. Imagine the aftermath they needed, like mental health help, but nobody helped them. Instead, they were isolated. What if they finally broke due to the lack of mental health help, which led to even more isolation and no constant contact with you, your family, or friends? They were just alone in their thoughts, completely alone for a whole year. And I bring that up because Corporal Tayu, that was her. And as of technically May 13th, she was officially released from the brig. She was arrested on April 5th, 2020, mind you. She made bail, but then ended up in the brig on June 19th. And it was just now released. If you don't know her story already, we've covered it back in, it was like one of our first couple episodes, um, Justice for Teo. And today, for our f Up Friday segment, I have two special guests on here, which is Lindsay Rowland from the Carry On podcast, and Carrie from the Freedom Sisters Media podcast as well. So welcome, ladies. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here and really excited to um, share the good news and further talk about what's going on with Corporal Tayu? Yes. So it hasn't been a huge media coverage quite yet, uh, but Tay was finally released. Finally. <laughs> like it should not, I don't think it should have taken this long uh, for it to happen. So as of May 12th, there was a hearing and there was a plea deal made. And unfortunately, it was a bad conduct discharge. If you don't know that what, what that is, it can only be imposed by either a special or general court-martial. It's a punitive charge for what is claimed as a serious act, which means you also have to forfeit all your VA benefits, post-military veteran benefits. Hell, it can even affect your future jobs because that's just what they see. Typically, a lot of they don't see what the story is. They just see that bad conduct discharge. So again, I have brought these lovely ladies on here to bring awareness and talk about these things that it, it needs to be talked about because this is fucked up. <laughs> so once again, if you don't know the true story of Teo, I highly recommend listening to my episode, their episodes, whatever it is. This is a, this is a story that it needs to be talked about and needs to be addressed because Tay needs our help even more. So, ladies, if you would like to kick it off, I don't want to be the only one. <laughs> I want to steal this, have you guys on here, and you just sit there and like, okay, yeah, they're just here. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I want to mention about the media coverage. And, I mean, initially the coverage was junk that was coming out about it to begin with and the fact that she's been released it's like this is a good news story that she's released although I still feel there's a lot of injustices going on with her ruling and sentencing and and the uphill 
battle that she's going to be facing now that she's out. But this is, I mean, she's free and this is what we have been working so hard on for. Um, and nobody's talking about it. Like I've, <laughs> I can't even get the, the public affairs officer to reply to an email about it. It's just, it, it is mind blowing to me that um, nobody is, is talking about it. Um, you know, she was in isolation for 328 days um, in the brig. And in the isolation, there was two moments that I'm aware of where she was one in solitary confinement and then a second one where she was on restricted discipline um, and wasn't able to talk to anybody for 60 days, which is crazy town. So um, the things that have happened to her is just mind blowing to me that it's even allowed um, inside our country, like to a service member is just really, really disheartening. Oh, absolutely. Well, I had a question about that. Um, so was was her hearing not open to the public? Because I, you know, as we saw the media coverage from other hearings were immediate. So was that was it not open to the to the media or? Yeah, no, it was. Um, I was actually trying to get one of my writers who's local there to be able to cover it, um, but she just wasn't able to arrange childcare. So um, it was open, and that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if Tom Thomas Brennan was there. I don't know if Philip Athey was there. Nobody had communicated with us that they were going to be there for the hearing. So not sure what who was there outside of. Um, I know Michael was there for sure. Um, but outside of that, I don't know who else was there. Yeah, I'm I, really surprised to, that there isn't, like, even Thomas, I'm surprised. Or maybe he's just trying to formulate it. I mean, I know it happened. It just happened. But I'm very surprised there's nothing. Like, even just a simple article saying she's free and there's, four, you know, further things to come out kind mm-hmm. of ordeal. And that's kind of why we posted on our socials and hung it on the official website, which is justiceforteu.org, because we wanted the information out there. And it's been, I mean, it's, I would say, trending on on Twitter and Instagram with how much feedback we've gotten um, and positive feedback at that. A lot of people have really felt that this is an injustice and, you know, up leading up to it, like that's the thing is everyone sees she's locked up and if this was a dude nobody would be having this kind of reaction but if you knew the story before mm-hmm. june 19th then you know it's a failure of the marine corps and this young lady is being punished because their colonels and the majors and her sergeants and all of that are have failed her all the way up to this point and so um that's the story that really should have been told more um but you know, Philip and Thomas were both there for the gag order hearing, and it took them a couple of days to say that the gag order was denied um, in their stories. And they wrote great stories about that. Um, but me and we were so elated, to say the least, that um, the mouths of lions were shut that day, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing, is that her story leading and that's another yeah it's not just about her time being in the brig you're absolutely right like before this she got put there it it's insane if she would have gotten the help that she needed and it wasn't a secret it's not like she hid it it's not like nothing was unknown to the leadership they knew what happened they knew what was going on with her but it was just the lack of leadership to say hey okay let me guide you Let's get you the help that you need and put you here. And so much of this could have been avoided if 
they would have just done their jobs. Well, and to caveat off of that as well, um, after she after she got her disability rating or was going through her board, she was um, accepted into the Wounded Warrior Battalion. Yep. And the fact that she was not allowed to to leave to go to that battalion, which is which is spe- specifically de- designed for a case like hers, where a soldier can receive, or I'm sorry, Marine can receive mental health care. They help process you out of the military. I mean, the fact that she wasn't allowed to go to that service, which which would have really, really benefited for her and prevented a lot of the things that happened um, after that, after um, it kind of, it's just kind of mind blowing because that's why these programs are set up and she wasn't even mm-hmm. allowed to utilize that service. Yeah. They totally denied it. And that same month um, she actually attempted suicide. And mm-hmm. when they showed up to intervene, the, the police were called, obviously, because there was it was out in the community. Somebody had called that there was a young lady in the traffic, all of those things. Um, the police were there. They were very compassionate and they were very um, focused on getting her the help she needed. And this is according to Michael, who was also witness to that. And um, her leadership showed up and he names them in his statement on our web on the website. But the leadership showed up and they were more worried about her taking these transitioning classes so they could just get her out of the Marines instead of, hey, there is actually a legit crisis. I mean, they saw it. They were there eyes on and seeing her needing the help and still denied that. So it's just it's so dumb. And if they were and if they were worried so much about about getting her out of the Marine Corps and like moving her out of their unit, then that's exactly what they should have done is send her to the Wounded Warrior Battalion because that would have alleviated them. They would have been able to put another soldier on their MTO. They would have they would have been able to alleviate themselves of the pain and the ass that they probably thought that she was being. Um, instead of actually giving her good care, they were like going to just sh- just throw her out of the Marines. But they could have used the Wounded Warrior Battalion as a means to, you know, move to move the case to someone else that actually had the specifics to handle what she was going through. Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. It probably boiled down to because it's paperwork. And that seems to be a trend. Nobody wants to do the paperwork. They just want to take the boot and say, go on about your way. But that's what's weird. It's like she was such an outstanding um, subject matter expert that I almost feel like they didn't want to let her go because of her skill set that she had given them. So like she was called out of like a company to come up to headquarters to help them clean up their shit. And then when she was there cleaning it up, making waves with people because she was holding people accountable and making them do their job the way that it needed to be done. She was also seeing retaliation as a, as a form of that too. But then, you know, she, she signed her paperwork for the outprocessing procedures to begin on the 1st of April, 2020. Um, and she knew, I think, right at that moment that they weren't, they didn't want these. So when, when she signed that paperwork and the medical discharge and they saw what her percentage was going to be, that's when they started the other processing out paperwork. So it wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't really a paperwork thing. They already had, she already had all of her med boards. Everything was already in place. Like, it makes no sense. It's almost just like, oh, you think you're going to get this help? We're not going to let that happen um, because they wanted they wanted to prove that they were right and that they they did all the things right. And this med board is just BS. But I mean, there's statement after statement in the med board that shows the Marine Corps is what broke her. So I just I don't get it. The hardest part for me is that we have all these principles, all these traits that I know I've said it before in my episodes. 
but it's like, why do we have, why are we taught in boot camp about these leadership traits? You know, everybody knows JJ did that. that. Wow. I can't even talk today. Holy hell. <laughs> JJ did tie buckle. And that goes down to all of our leadership traits. And then we have all these principles, you know, whether it's holding our Marines accountable, caring about the well, that's my biggest one, caring about the well-being of your fellow Marines. And that one, what is the point of us preaching, preaching, preaching this when we don't even hold ourselves accountable to do that, to take care of the Marines, to make sure that they are getting the help that we need? And I say it all the time, civilians care more about our own mental well-being than we do about our own brothers and sisters. And I've never understood that concept, you know, and we talk, we say these traits, but what, what for? So it looks good mm-hmm. on a poster. So it looks good on these little fucking colorful placards that you show mm-hmm. a, a potential recruit. Like wh- why? I don't get it. We practice, we don't practice what we preach. And that's what drives me the most insane is that if they literally would have just gave a shit, even if they didn't truly give a shit, if they would have cared, especially when they physically saw the problem, physically, it wasn't mm. like, oh, they got a phone call or they got an email where you couldn't just empath- empathize with it. They physically saw the problem and still chose to not just give the slightest bit of shit. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, a lot. Go ahead, Lindsay. Okay. Um, I will say this, though. Um, coming from I'm doing company command for a few years. Um, and we talk about this a lot when I talk about the Brandon Act, but uh, commanders just see mental health issues like this as complete inconvenience. I mean, the soldier has to go to mental health, then they maybe can't carry a weapon, then they maybe can't do their duties, they may become undeployable, and they may need a DROG. And there's all these level of things that commanders just see as putting them out and for the soldier unable to continue on with the mission. And so as much as like, we, we, we expect commanders to care as soon as there's a mental health issue or as soon as they have to deal with that, there's a whole laundry list of things that goes with it. So I'm not by any means defending, um, defending commander choices. I'm just saying that anything mental health related is an instant red flag to like, this is going to be a problem. This is going to, you know, this is going to stop mission essential task and work. And now I have to stop everything I'm doing and deal with it. And so just, you know, coming from that perspective, like that's what commanders are thinking um, in the background from my, from my experience. And you're absolutely right on that. Well, and then it also moving up the chain, if you're a captain of a company, right, it looks like then you don't have good order and discipline in your ranks. And so then they look at you as a leader, like, you know, you don't know how to manage your people. And so I think the, some of the deal is, is like, I almost want to say is propaganda to a point because with, with the placards and the shiny posters and all of that stuff, because like I served, I mean, I did 12 years and I hold this like weird dichotomy. Like I'm super proud of my time. I'm grateful for the opportunities that I was afforded all those things. But then I look at all of the mess that also came with that time and service and what's going on even more so now. Um, and it's just really hard to like resonate with that, you know, but I think there's a lot of, the loyalty, that's like the big thing. What are they number one loyal to? And it's the reputation of the facade the, that the Marines or the Army or the Navy put out. And they're willing to to lie and cover it up to show that the, they're most loyal to the Marine Corps, not to the people. And I think that's where a lot of the issues do arise from. 
Well, that's that's actually a solid point. And then, you know, when you made the comment about how they look. So, like, for example, for me, <laughs> I wanted to move. I wanted to move to the next unit. It was in the same MOS, same everything. Um, but they were about to deploy. And I wanted to be a part of that, especially before my injury took over, whatever. But I knew it was a better unit. I knew um, it. What I hadn't started putting in the works yet. I had talked to people in the higher ups on the other unit to see if it could even be a potential thought before I bring it up to my chain of command, whatever. And it was. And I literally just expressed it to my physical therapist. That was the only other person I've talked to it about, which led to him telling my chain of command. And I literally got told that I embarrassed this specific person in higher command because it looks like he didn't have a wrap on his fellow Marines because I had the idea that I wanted to move units. And he called me. He said, oh, you're just going to be a bitch about it and just move. I'm like, what? What? Because I literally made him look bad is what he said. And I'm like, what? Because I wanted to go to a unit that's about to deploy? I'm confused. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, and I almost wonder if that was kind of the mindset for why they wanted to do the administrative separation board. Because, you know, they had slapped her with an NJP before for misconduct while she was doing her job and re- busted her down in rank. And so it looked like they were, you know, they had the upper hands. And then when the med board said, mm, I don't think so. They wanted to get back that control um, of making themselves look good that they were doing. They were doing their due diligence to get rid of a quote unquote bad marine. I so. honestly wouldn't be surprised. Now, like I have seen that kind of thing happen, so I, that's not a bad theory to have. To be honest, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Well, just seeing what had happened to her up to the point how. Um, I don't know, me malangering, malangering, whatever the hell that word is. It's like, I don't, I think Eric had said it actually on Lindsay's podcast that what it was since Vietnam. Is that what he said? That people had actually been accused of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she was actively at medical appointments. Like, <laughs> I don't, I just don't understand. Yeah, that's right. He did say that. And I was like, how is she malingering if she's, if she's even showing up for work or calling in? Like, that's not malingering. Yeah, and working full days when she was supposed to be working half days, like, uh, it just, I don't know, it aggravates me. The one thing that I do, I don't think the Marines knew what they were up against was um, a really strong, resilient, um, full of love. Like, her name literally means love. Pan and I were just talking about that this morning, actually. And she loves the Marine Corps. Like, at the at the core of who she is, she still is so just full of love. And I, and and hope. And that's the thing that I don't realize they realized how resilient she was and they weren't going to go, she wasn't going to go down easy. And um, yeah, they just weren't prepared for that. And I'm so thankful that she has such a strong faith in her family um, and all of those things, because there was a lot of terrible things that have happened during this trial period, if you will, and not trial in a court, but just this time of adversity. Right. So um, I just don't think they, I think they underestimated her. Oh, absolutely. And like, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, was covered, you know, with SJA and all this different, you know, things that went on through these different court hearings. And 
you know, when they laughed about having like a public affairs officer, like <laughs> that's what she needs because y'all ain't doing your jobs. So it needs to be exposed because again, like you said, this, you know, resilient, strong human being, even with, because they probably chalked it up as, well, if she really has mental health help, so just, you know, bow down, drop it all and let it go. And that'll be the end of that. Mm-hmm. And wasn't expecting, you know, like you said, this huge comeback of people fighting for her, people being there and like, what the hell? Yeah. But the right, I, I feel like, you know, her Congress, I think Congress and her representatives have failed. I, I really would love to see them not reelected based on their incapacity to do the right thing. Um, in this situation, it, it infuriates me to no end, um, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, uh, when you look at Corporal Teu and look at, let's, let's talk about who she is. She's a female. She's a minority. She's, uh, well, at this point, junior and they took away her sergeant rank, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at, uh, you know, a white man who is lieutenant commander, lieutenant colonel, I guess is what the Marines, they're saying for um army so you have a lieutenant commander who's beating his wife for years and they just trust and lost trust and confidence and and out he goes from a command but he's still in the marine corps it's like there is no there's no um single level of commitment to holding people accountable um, to the crime and it's just but you know jim banks what he did with eddie gallagher and what he has done with Teu is completely different. And Eddie Gallagher is not the guy that was beating his wife. Let me just put that out there. But you know the story of Eddie Gallagher and Jim mm-hmm. Banks. Like he he said he should be pardoned. He said he shouldn't. And Jim did nothing. Jim Banks did absolutely nothing for Teu. And she wrote him. Um, and I've seen the paperwork. She wrote him back in January of 2020, months before her breakdown. And just to add on to that, Jim Banks is probably the the congress the congressman in the best position to help her because he took over um on the personnel subcommittee as a ranking member so out of literally anyone in congress he sat in the most powerful position to actually do something for her case which makes it even more maddening and mm-hmm. then i just have to vent on this one and then he goes on his face because i've been following on facebook i'm um, trying to figure out you know why this man won't support her and he's got all these laws that he's passing to help the Burmese uh, refugees and to help, you know, that situation going on in the world. But yeah, he has a constituent in his district who is Burmese, who is going through all of these issues. And Jim Banks is a military guy as well. And he's doing nothing to help her. And it's just like the irony of the situation. You just want to say, why? Why can you not take this case in front of the, your subcommittee? Or why can you not, you know, add it on to the I am Vanessa Gein bill? You know, mm-hmm. hearing the speakers. There's just so many things that he could have done in his silence, like you said, is just absolutely infuriating. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I don't and I and that the question is, is it because it doesn't look good because it, people know they fucked up? Is that what it is? Because it doesn't I, look good to media? Like what I the think, hell? This is my thought on it. I think it's still because mental health is an, is still looked upon and frowned upon. It's not something that, you know, we want to promote or something that we want to assist with or how, or how do you assist with it? So it's easier to support Eddie Gallagher because his was, um, you know, his was an actual action that happened, but to actually support someone with mental health issues, I think it's just still sort of one of those like gray areas where people are not willing 
to, to go out and, and have a voice for. Mm-hmm. Well, I and never understand that. Yeah. And I also think it shows a precedence of how the Marines are going to continue to treat young women who have um, serious breakdowns. I mean, we had two at one point in the brig, uh, Celeste Largo as well um, as Teu, And, um, you know, Celeste took a, took a plea also. And, um, and I don't know if that's proper terminology because I'm not a lawyer, but um, and we haven't heard, we didn't hear anything about her plea. We didn't hear anything about her release, nothing. And she's, she's been out, I think for, I mean, since November, maybe. So like, there's been nothing on that either, but it, what does it show in the ranks? If you are a minority female junior enlisted and you need help, they're just going to lock your ass up and expect you to be dishonorably discharged from the military because they failed you so to me it's almost like a power move in the marine corps to keep victims silent and um yeah that's my personal opinion too is like it was a power move it was a play in the battle and unfortunately right now it looks like they're winning because you have two um very strong women who that they were able to quote unquote defeat if you will but um i just feel like the battle's not over for Tay, and I just know what um, the capabilities are of this family of not backing down, so to help others. Unfortunately, too, you know, we still have people in leadership positions. Women have come so far in the military. They have accomplished so much, and, like, it's amazing, but we still have people in leadership that have the mindset of women don't belong. Women shouldn't be in the military. Women shouldn't be in combat roles, even though, let it be known, that to get into a combat role MOS, you have to take a separate physical fitness test that is gender neutral. It is not changed, like how the PFTs and all that CFTs are like body, like age and all and gender, whatever. But this specific physical fitness test that goes for combat roles is the same exact as gender roles. But we still have, like I said, we still have higher ups who are so stuck in the old ways that, again, they still believe women are an issue. Mm -hmm. So not only is it being a woman and then you've got a minority on top of that. So you've got, you know, two things already going towards you that already you don't even have to do anything. The moment you step foot in the fleet, the moment your face shows up, it's like the people are already talking about you before you even show up. That's the unfortunate part. Just the fact that there is a female already have a biased look, already have that, well, she's going to be a whore, whatever. And then you want to add on top of it that she's a human with mental health issues that was caused by shit that happened to her while in the military. It's like, what, what the hell? It's not like she just joined and she was this, you know, all these different issues going on. This really spiraled from her sexual assault that wasn't even handled properly. So it's like, what what are we doing? Why are we still stuck in the mindset too and still have people in the leadership that have that women shouldn't be even in the Marine Corps? We've been in for over 100 years. Like, it's time to get with the fucking program and take <laughs> care of your Marines. Doesn't matter what's in between your legs. It's like, just take care of your fucking people. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about, like, mission. It's always about the mission. Okay, well, if you're not taking care of your Marines, your mission's not going to be successful. Because oh, you're yeah. not going to have 
effective Marines because you don't give a shit enough about their well-being to where they'll be mission effective. And it's, I, it's mind-blowing. I completely agree with the mission, uh, the force protection issue. Like, if you aren't taking care of your people here in garrison when there is no bullets flying at you, then how the hell do you expect them to follow you into battle? Like, when they don't trust you just for taking care of everyday tasks or allowing me to go to the doctor or whatever. It's the craziest. Um, and they're losing. Like, I don't, I mean, there are so many good leaders that are leaving mm-hmm. uh, because there's no change. It doesn't matter. It's almost like, um, um, my gosh, the good cop from New York back in the 60s, Frank. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Saperio, Sicario, that guy. He was yeah. like 80% or 10% of the force is very corrupt. 10% are honest. And then the other 80% wish they were. And you kind of have that same issue going on in the military. It's like the 10% that are corrupt are, are basically running the show. And then the 10% that are good are getting out. And then the 80% are just like, uh, you know, intimidated into not being a good guy or gal, you know, it's just so frustrating. There was one quote that really, really sticks with me. And this was from her, I think the gag order hearing. And it was one of the quotes says, what does this represent for the average lens corporal that may be struggling and doesn't know how to seek resources? And then they look at cases like Tay's and it's like, fuck that. I'm not reporting shit. I'm not going to be taken care of anyways. And then somehow this will get turned on me. And then not get the help that I need. Somebody that truly, it was documented. <laughs> That's the part that kills me. It's not mm-hmm. like she was silent and just went about her business. Shit was documented. And she mm-hmm. still didn't get what she deserved. It's just, oh my God. So it's like- And, you know, she's, like we said, she spent 328 days locked up. For a, for a crime that was really a non-crime and an alleged, right? I hate you guys said we were talking before we started <laughs> recording, like, alleged. But, like, right, she was, like, held. But her perpetrator is, like, chill out at the Pentagon level mm-hmm. doing his job. Like, nobody's held um, accountable. What is up I'm with sure that? He, I'm sure he surrounded himself with people that he has, like, that believe him, that he's innocent. And I'm sure that he has badmouthed her to his community. So that, you know, everyone's in his corner. So, he'll yeah, he'll just carry on with his life now. And mm-hmm. then look at what she's going to have to go through in the aftermath of this. It's so sad. It, it, it really is sad. And, you know, for people that are listening, you know, the point of us doing this episode is to bring light. Like, it is, it is great news. She is finally free. Like, out of that hellhole. She can be, you know, communi- communicating. This is the simplest little thing is to getting communicate with her family and friends again. But there's such a long road ahead mm-hmm. still. You know, it's not just, you know, now that she's free, it doesn't mean this ends. Because there's, this is fucked up. This whole story. And I encourage, if you have not heard of her, this is the first you're hearing of it, or haven't looked into her story, I highly, highly encourage it. You know, between the three of our podcasts, even the War Horse, like there's so much coverage on it, but it's still not enough. Mm-hmm. 
You know what so, I could say? You said just like she's the fact that she gets to communicate. One of the um, most amazing things that I heard uh, speaking with Pan about um, they went to be there for the last hearing, not this one, but the one prior to for the motions. And um, that's when they set the trial, which was like set sometime in September. Um, yes. oh so they God. had this hearing and then they had the trial if she didn't, if they didn't go into, you know, a ruling here on the 12th of May, it was going to go all the way to September. Um, so she walked in to see her. She was able to see her despite COVID restrictions and other things. So it was the first time Tay had actually had any visitor um, since June of 2020. And um, her son, Pan's son, just ran up and hugged Tay. And that was probably the first uh, human, kind human interaction and I just love that it was from somebody that knows her and loves her so much and so that just like warmed my heart and like the the nobody stopped him from doing that which was incredible um but then you know Pan thought well maybe I'll get in a hug and they like looked at her like don't even try it kind of thing but <laughs> you know she gets that Aww. that kind human compassion you know and that that connection of you know of being hugged again and being supported and holding her hand and you know, all that physical encouragement as well as that huge emotional support she's going to need from the people that love her and know her most. And um, I just, I, I, I also, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this, but I want to talk about their faith a little bit and just kind of how much that has really been a part of their story too, because it's been really incredible to see even in the midst of like the worst time for their family, how strong and resilient in their faith they have been. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So on that note, also, we, like we said, this is not, this is not the end. There's still such a long road of recovering, getting back on Tay's feet, you know, and now the goal is to get her out to California um, with her sister. And because that's where Pan is currently at. Um, So we've actually started a GoFundMe account to help her get the travel needs, get her some clothes. Because she has nothing, literally has nothing, has no money, no nothing. Luckily, she's got a friend with her right now when she was released. Um, but that's what we're here for. And then we're all teaming up together to help her because that's what she needs. She was shafted by a lot of people. And now it's time to do even more of a part to get her back on the road of recovery and to being just back to where she needs to be what she deserves to be and so that that is actually currently live it is in my link tree and will be posted all over the place um i'm assuming you ladies will share it as well (laughs) Uh, but all the funding will be going to um to help pan get tay out there to her and get her and she already has another gofundme but that one is specified uh for legal and for her medical help. Um, so this one's going to be different uh, so that, you know, there's no questions. This is what it's specifically for. Um, so, yes, we pray and hope that you help help us on this road to help Tay as well and to spread her message. Do you ladies have any last remarks before we close this off? Uh, yeah, I just want to wrap up um, with one last thought. And I know this was already addressed in the podcast prior, but I just think we all need to remember, like was said before, um, the advocacy and the work that the advocacy groups did and her family did to on this case 
And though it may not have ended as everyone wanted, it was still a very powerful movement. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's important to remember that and that we take it forward and we continue to push this issue. And, you know, the Marine Corps is on warning right now. They know, you know, that people are going to fight for these cases. And that that is a huge takeaway that we have to remember that we just have to keep pushing um, all around and that it's not over yet. So that's, that's my final thought. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree fullheartedly with you, Lindsay, on that. And the power of your voice, like never underestimate the power of one voice because somebody is going to hear it that's going to come alongside of you as well to start rallying around. And that was really kind of how this all happened. It was like one advocate to another, to another, to another, and it just continued to grow. And we were able to get, you know, legislative um, advocates. We were able to get legal advocates. We were able to get so much um, advocacy going and activism of really campaigns and just pushing the story of like, this is unacceptable. And um, don't be daunted by the Goliath of your lives um, because there are many people who will join the army to help you fight those battles. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I give Lindsay Knapp from Combat Sexual Assault is amazing. Um, Amy Frank and the Never Alone advocacy team, uh, Vets for the People. Let me, I'll just shout out everybody who kind of helped with um, the Tay, um, all those that supported this specifically. Um, Not in my Marine Corps, Aaron, um, Protector Defenders, Don Christensen, Military Justice for All, um, you both, and um, I'm missing one. I feel like I'm missing one. Uh, yeah, Minority Vets of America. So all of these people behind the scenes really did an amazing job to help um, get Tayu out. And that's ultimately was the goal was to get her free. We can continue, you know, we'll, we'll breathe, we'll rest, we'll recuperate, and um, we're going we're gonna to continue to seek justice fully for her. So uh, be on the lookout for that. It's not over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And like I said, this is not the end. This is a new beginning, but it is still a road ahead of us to help her get on her feet, get her back on track. And it's still going to take us to do what we need to do to make a change. So, ladies, I appreciate you coming on our newest segment of f Up Fridays and helping bring light to a very fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. So, again, thank you. And I look forward to working with the both of you. And on that note, I hope. Everybody takes this story and takes it to heart and, you know, gets on board with realizing how serious this situation has been. It is now and so on and so forth. And on that note, have a wonderful rest of your weekend and I will be back next week. Women with an f up mind is not DOD affiliated or any branch of service. We are not endorsed by any of them, even the ones that we serve in. We're just about stating our opinions, talking about the experiences, and just how stating public records. So I just wanted to make that clear because all we're about is making people uncomfortable, ruffling as many feathers as we can, and you know, doing the damn thing.